if there's couples listening that have gone through this infertility struggle, a pregnancy test becomes this awful feeling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's always bad news, and so it represented pain in our life. So I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going to do it anyway. So I walk in the house, and her sister says hi. She leaves. I say, Stace, why don't you go in there and, and take care of business? Let's see. Let's get this out of the way because we got to get you to the doctor. So I go upstairs. Our, our master was upstairs. I go in there, it was a, and I'm in the closet changing clothes. And I hear this thumping up the steps. And I know it's not Ty. He's so little. And, I mean, it's fast and furious thumping to the point that I walk out of the closet into the bedroom to see what's going on. And as I walk into the bedroom, Stacy is literally running into the bedroom. And she's crying. And she's got her arm out with the pregnancy test thingy, whatever you call that. And I'm like, oh, boy, I'm such an idiot. Here we go again. I got to try to comfort her. I don't know what to say. And so I just go to hug her, and she kind of doesn't hug me. You know, she's kind of resisting a little bit, and she's, but she can't talk, and she's weeping. And I'm confused, and finally realize she's showing me the pregnancy test. And so I look out at the thing, and it says pregnant. Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA all-star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Thanks for being along this journey with us. We are in the process of interviewing 100 couples over the next couple of years and sharing them with you, asking the question, is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? And, and I want to encourage you, if this is the first time that you've listened to this episode, make sure you press subscribe on whatever podcast system that you're looking at and using today. Um, and follow us along our journey on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash love or work. We are always putting up new quotes, new information, new research we're finding, um, little tidbits about uh, the people that we interview, trying to share some of our story in the midst of that uh, feed also. So follow along at love or work on Instagram. Yes. And today we have a great interview with our friends, Ken and Stacy Coleman. Uh, Ken is actually has his own radio show, it's called The Ken Coleman Show. He's on Sirius XM, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Channel 111. And he also has you, a podcast hang daily. On. I tried to start like a little radio show. He's going to be like, Andre, what are you doing? He's so much better. You are me. not a radio personality. <laughs> Ken Ken is literally just, made for this. We have been for like a split second. We have been waiting. He, like, he, has, he has been made Sirius to do this show. XM. I don't even know what that is. Because I don't have it, but channel 111, it's important. Yeah. And he also has it on a podcast every day. So you can listen. And it's really about purpose and finding your purpose. And um, it's, it's so good. It's really good. We love Ken. And then Stacy is a founder of a nonprofit. She's also a VP of a small company. That woman is always working. She's amazing. They were our first, some of our first friends when we moved to Atlanta. First friends. First Atlanta friends. We have vacationed sure. with them. We have seen, we honestly, we've laughed with them and we've cried with them. Yeah, we've gone through all the things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the wonderful. It's been great. So, Jeff, what should we be listening for? Usually I have three things, but today I have a bonus. I have four things. Oh, goodness. We got to keep people on their toes. Uh, the first thing 
is the story that Ken shares of meeting Ken, of Stacy's dad for the first time. And her car broke down, and he was pushing her car up the driveway. Don't tell the whole story. Oh, am I giving it away? Yes. It's going to be great. (laughs) Second piece of advice, a very important piece of advice from Stacy. If she could give anyone a piece of advice, buy a really nice robe. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. Number three. I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? You say. It's got to be something about sex. You were the one that asked the question. Well, it's just go ahead. They give us one really important thought about sex. Great. What's your fourth? Uh, This is a very serious thing. That there are probably people listening to this that are in the middle of or have struggled with infertility. Mm-hmm. and they're going to share their story, and it's very personal, and um, I'm thankful that they shared it because we know them. We were walked with them through life in this season, and they share some really good advice to people and a real authentic story of their own of the challenges that it takes to go through that season. Yes, it was really good. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Ken and Stacy Coleman. It was love at first sight for me. I don't know about you, but it definitely was for me. And uh, I was working in a campaign office. My very first career was politics, and I'm a young political aide. My shoes were off. I was in my sock feet, and um, it was the middle of the day, I feel like, and and Stacy was a graduate student getting her master's degree in broadcast journalism. She was um, interning and and, and working for... uh, a national news outlet and she comes walking in to do an interview with the guy I was working for her, and I wasn't involved in the media or the press side so I didn't know anything about it and she walks in and um, she's just gorgeous and I was like wow this is a beautiful woman and I was only 19 at the time so I had a sense she was a few years older than me which she is I'm not allowed to say any more than that. I love how you have to make sure everybody knows that. Well, that part will be edited. (laughs) (laughs) So that was it. I mean, that was the first time I met her. And you jump in at any time here. And then fast forward, you know, probably three or four months later, um, ran into her again um, and uh, started flirting. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened because I was intimidated because I found out that she was, in fact, older than me and a grad student and I'm in college and... That's an intimidating deal, at least for me, yes. the older woman. Yes. And uh, so anyway. <laughs> he just keeps repeating it. It's a really long story. It is. And so wow. it gets back to me that she's willing to go out with me. And I think it's like three or four days before New Year's. And I'm in between campaigns at my parents' house for about three or four weeks until I go to an, my next job. And I decide to call her. She answers the phone. I think it was about 10 o'clock at night. And I think we hung up the phone at about four in the morning. It was a six-hour phone call. Because you have the bill. Yeah, it was long distance. And my dad got very put out (laughs) with the whole situation. He had to pay it. Back when there was long distance. Yeah, long distance. And uh, I lived about 45 minutes from her. And um, so, you know that feeling you have when you wake up the next morning? If, If any of you married people can remember the first kiss, you know? And you wake up the next morning and you're just, you're just kind of in this stupor and you're like, wow, that was incredible and I'm so excited. That's what it felt like and it was just a phone call. But we covered so much ground in that first phone call. It was like we'd known each other for a decade. 
Yeah, I was kind of in that season. I was in graduate school. So I was in that season of being beyond the just date to date. You know, in college, I went out a lot because I needed, you know, free meals. (laughs) That's the benefit. I always had a sense that you thought I might be a meal ticket. No. I was older. I was maybe hopefully a little bit wiser. I made my list and I literally put, and you guys are going to laugh at this because you know Ken personally, but I put good dresser. (laughs) That's great. And look what God did. Ken puts together amazing outfits. Let's be honest. We'll say it was at the bottom. I mean, you know, I had the top. But wait a minute. Was he, were you like checking? Like, was he checking off that list or were you like scratching it out and rewriting something else? No, (laughs) no. He was top to bottom. Mm. Uh, We're both preacher's kids. Um, So we grew up in the church and around the church. So that first week that we started, like we went out, I was like, you need to come home and meet my family. (laughs) And, you know, it was a six hour drive home, but I knew before I even got into it that I wanted my parents to meet him. Now, here's the here's the funny part of that story. So this is the first week we go out on New Year's Eve and uh, great night. And uh, we see each other, I think, every night that week. And then I had to go to uh, Richmond, Virginia, or I was going to be working in the General Assembly. And she says, I want you to come home this weekend. So the very first weekend, I go to see her parents, and I was driving such a piece of junk. It was a uh, 82 Mazda 626 that had second engine in it and probably 175,000 miles on that one. It was such a clunker, Jeff and Andre, that I would pull the key out of the ignition while driving down the highway just to freak her out and show her that it just, it, it was just junk. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were supposed to go to Charlotte, North Carolina from Richmond, Virginia, which is a six and a half hour drive. And there's no way my car was going to make it. So I had to really <laughs> swallow my pride and we took her car. So here I am dating this older woman. We're going to go see her parents and we're driving her car. It's amazing. You see what I'm dealing with here? And it was very it nerve-wracking. Broke down. That's what I'm going to tell them. Oh. So we're a mile from her house or 2 miles from her house. It's almost midnight coming in late and her alternator starts to go. Well, I have no idea what an alternator is. All I know is the car <laughs> lost power about a half mile from her house and I pushed her in. She got in the driver's seat and I pushed her car into the driveway sweating, gross. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? 2 a.m. Good to meet you. And uh, oh, when we opened man. the door, they came out, and of course we had to tell them, hey, the car broke down. Ken pushed it in. <laughs> Hi. Yes, good to meet you. Hi, I'm the, I'm the uh, future prospect here. Um, and, and then I'll never forget, we did all the niceties, and then we just stepped in the house, and Stacey goes, hey, Ken's hungry. Can you make him a sandwich? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Which for sure was true. Now, listen, Ken, I want truth. Okay, this is a truth question. Okay. Had you kissed her prior to actually getting permission to date? Oh, yeah. I kissed her on. I, I see. <laughs> yeah. I'll pick up now, but I will say this. I love the question. I, I had never had kissed a girl on a first date in my life and had not planned to that night either. But we walked into her townhouse a little bit after midnight. And so I missed the opportunity to take the natural moment. But it's a first date. So um, we had just had a wonderful time, and it was probably a few minutes after midnight, and uh, I, I laid the smooch on her. I love it. I love it. Of course. Okay, so now how many years have you been married now? This May will be 21 years. Wow. Wow. And how many kids? Three. 
and two are adopted, yes? Yes. And then your third is biological. Is That's that right. right. And two doodles, a labradoodle and a golden oh. doodle. Can't forget those oh, guys. I forgot the two doodles. Yeah. Wow. Life apparently wasn't crazy enough. <laughs> so we're excited about this interview because you were two of our best and first friends in Atlanta when we moved here. And we were actually talking about this morning because a major part of our marriage, a really like pivotal point for our marriage, was because of the two of you. We, you invited us to be a part of Financial Peace University. I don't know if you guys remember teaching that class at our work. Oh, yeah. But that was like a breakthrough for our marriage. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. So talk to people a little bit about financial peace because I think if there's anybody listening that hasn't heard about it, Mm -hmm. it might be something really cool to kind of jump in on. Yeah, well, Financial Peace University was started by Dave Ramsey, who we have the privilege to work with. And it comes out of Dave's seven baby steps. And uh, essentially from his journey, he lost everything and started from scratch and started uh, studying the Bible. What does the Bible say about money? And and what did grandma say about money? And he came up with these basic baby steps that allow someone to climb out of debt and financial ruin and experience hope along the way so that they can finish the journey. And so it's a nine-week course now. I think it was probably 12 weeks back then. 13 weeks, that's right. It was 13, It was 13, yes. It's a nine-week course now, and and Dave teaches each of those steps in detail. And you sit around in a group setting. Uh, Usually it's five, six different couples or singles or whatever it is, and you you listen to the teaching, and then Stacey and I played the group leader role where we just kind of led the discussion and uh, what happens in that Financial Peace University that's so powerful is is when people come together and they all realize, okay, I'm not a big loser and I'm not an idiot. Everybody else has got money problems and has done dumb with money. And so it takes away the shame. And then it, the community of it, of the accountability, hey, we're all going after it. We're doing this together and we're going to change our life. There's something powerful about it. And so millions of people have now gone through it. And um, it's it's a powerful thing. It really is. It's a, it's a thing that works. So uh, if if you're interested in it, you're hearing this. You've never heard of Dave. You've never heard of Financial Peace University. DaveRamsey.com and and click on the Financial Peace information. And there's classes all around the country. And jump in. And um, it really will change your family tree. And I think for us it was a big deal because we, you know, we didn't have a lot of training around finances. And for the two of you, it was like you were investing in us of something that worked for your family. And so for us, I think, I think it created a connection for us with the two of you um, of saying, hey, this is something we don't know about. We can be vulnerable about this. And there's a couple that is willing to share with us their life experience. And I think that was like a breakthrough. I mean, honestly, to become really good friends with the two of you. Mm. We, we, we did. We were a young couple, though. Neither one of us had kids. And we were all early on in our journeys. All right, so this is this is kind of to both of you. Y'all have you're a little bit older, have gone through some more stages in life, and we'd love to hear maybe one per stage from each of you, but let's give one piece of advice that you would give somebody per stage. So dating stage, newly married stage, you know, no kids then the young kids stage, and then a little bit older teenager kid stage. All right, now are we going through each one of these? Is this like speed round? Yep, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, dating. Let's start with dating. Go. Dating. Make a list. Be detailed. 
and pray continually mm. so that you don't settle, um, but you continually are reminded, at least from the the girl's point of view, that you are um, a princess because you are the daughter of a king and um, you you deserve to be loved well. Uh, to guys, uh, similar to what Stacy said, I think you have to envision what you want in a wife, what you see uh, as to how you will treat them, what how you want to treat them, how you want them to react, what qualities you want. This is a life decision, and so I don't want you getting heavy on the first three to five dates, but I would say from the very first date until this thing either goes south or it goes to the next level, you're always thinking big picture. Uh, I, I just, I talked to so many guys, Jeff, uh, over the last 21 years uh, of our marriage who they just didn't, they didn't look deep into the relationship and say, hey, are we, are we built to last? You know, do we have the same values? Do we click uh, from a personality standpoint? Um, and, and I think that's huge because love is a decision. And if you're going to commit, um, you, you better have a lot of things going for you because marriage gets tough. So that would be my advice. Begin with the end in mind. I love it. Newly married stage. Gosh. Um, you know, I think we got a lot of advice and we heard a lot of people say the first year is the hardest. And when you're in it, you don't realize that, I don't think. Because if you really believe that, would anyone do it? <laughs> Right, like you're about to do this awesome thing, and then it's going to get really hard. So, but you are adjusting, you're finding your rhythm, if you will, because you're no longer about you and yourself. Um, I, I I love this story. Our first year of marriage, I had you know I had been in, from college right into graduate school, so it was all about me, my schedule, when I wanted to eat, what I wanted to eat, and I'm one of those that likes just to eat little things all day long. I don't really sit down and have big meals and, um, or at least when I got to college, um, and in graduate school oh. and, and we, I was working in, um, television in Richmond, Virginia had crazy hours. Ken was working for the governor's office and I'll never forget one of the first times, um, I came home from work and, you know, I had my bagel and my orange juice we're talking for dinner and I was good. And Ken in his awesome, sweet, newlywed voice said, so are you hungry? And that was kind of his way of asking, Hey, are you going to cook dinner? Are we going to do this thing together? And we laugh about it now, but that's just a, a fun, silly mm-hmm. example of expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, I came in going, no, I'm good. Thanks. I got this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I got another bagel. <laughs> so it's just finding your rhythms. I yeah. think that first year. That's actually really good. Have that conversation early on about expectations. What did, what did the male do in your household? What did the, well, you know, what did your dad do? what did your mom do? Well, it, you know what? Cause that's huge. You come into this marriage with two different, um, modes of operation, yeah. you know, that you've seen. Um, but my piece of advice <laughs> is really short and it comes from my mother-in-law who I have a great relationship with. She once challenged Stacy and I early on. 
you know, what she learned in her marriage, which was when you, when you're having an argument or disagreement before it gets escalated or before you get too invested in the disagreement, ask yourself, is this going to matter 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now? And so we're now almost 21 years in and the stuff we argued about early on in our marriage is embarrassing. <laughs> I think everybody would say that same thing. All right, moving on to the next stage, young kids, the littles, five and under. Buy a really nice robe. Mm, that's good. <laughs> what is that? Whoa, wait, explain that. Buy a really nice robe. Well, you know, I was a little bit older um, when we brought Ty home, and I was the working woman. You know, I got up every day, had my nails done, my lipstick on, ready to charge the day. And um, when I became a mom, and you guys know that journey, I longed for it for so long um, that I thought, I'm pretty sure Ken thought the robe was my, you know, new wardrobe. Mm -hmm. I don't think I got out of it too much <laughs> in those early days of just loving being a mom, holding holding my baby, and um, taking in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, Meaning, it's okay, <laughs> it's okay, moms of new of new babies, mm -hmm. that you just uh, don't worry about makeup, you don't worry about all the things, just be in the moment because it's such a huge shift. Um, I'm going to tell you my piece of advice in this stage. Make sure that there is regular and clear separation from the babies. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think so many young couples, um, they're excited, they're nervous, whatever the emotions are, and they don't separate. And it can be exhausting. It's not just physically exhausting. I think a lot of people go, well, the kids, you know, the new rhythms and you're waking up at all hours of the night trying to get these kids to go to sleep. Both of you have been through that. So there's a physical exhaustion. But I think the physical exhaustion is easier to deal with for new parents. I think the tougher exhaustion, at least for me, was dealing with the emotional exhaustion of, you know, am I doing this right? You know, uh, it's just because when you get physically tired and then life is coming at you, um, and, and you're not spending time with your wife and you don't have some alone time or some couple time, you, you can get, things can get really tense. And uh, so I think what we did a good job of um, is going on trips, leaving the babies at home, uh, going on dates, leaving the babies at home. And I think you got to have that separation or, or it can just wear you out emotionally. That's great. All right. The last one, which this is kind of where you guys are at right now is just older kids coming into that those teenage years, what's your, what, what are you feeling right now in this stage? Oh, you, you want right now. I'm overwhelmed. Well, I, I feel let, overwhelmed. Let, let's talk about right, this is, right This is where we get now. real raw. Well, just, it's you hard. know, what, last week, Ken, Ken was in, the, in our closet, master closet, and I go in there and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, he just grabbed me and we just hugged each other and he's like, this is so hard. <laughs> Grown adults, 20 plus years into this thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's, we don't have it figured out. We, uh, yeah. we just stood there for a minute and held each other. Mm -hmm. I, I texted uh, one of my dearest friends the other day and I said, if we survive this thing called middle school, mm -hmm. it will be the single greatest accomplishment mm -hmm. of our mm -hmm. lives. <laughs> yeah. And, and listen, we're just being really honest with you. I don't have any advice uh, in this area. You're in it. You're just in it. I'm in the middle of it. And, you know, it's, I'll tell you what, it's been really, it's been really good for me 
Jeff and Andre emotionally to admit to myself and even say it on this program that uh, there are times I feel overwhelmed because I'll be very, very honest that I don't, I don't have those moments in my life very often. I just don't. I've been very blessed. You can juggle a lot. I juggle a lot. My personality is God-given, so this is no, nothing that I've done here. But I just don't stress much. I don't. I'm an intense guy, but I, I handle pressure. I do pressure for a living. I'm, I'm a, you know, if we strip it down, I'm a performer. So the pressure is something I look forward to. I love it. But this is, you know, dealing with uh, kids that are evolving and they're changing. And, and uh, every, every kid is different at middle school and when they become a teen and all this kind of stuff. But then you throw in each kid as, as a different journey. Their educational path is different. How they handle school situations. And then you got mean kids. Oh, Jeff and Andre, I just pray for you right now. I'm telling you, the world is, the world is so mean. It's so mean. I mean, mm. we watch politics right now, and we think that politics is mean. Politics is a joke compared mm. to this, the playground yeah. and, mm. and the school hallway. Mm. And the first time that a really painful situation through meanness happens to one of your kids, it's almost impossible to process. Mm. Oh, I know. It's like the mama bear comes all out. Yeah, but, but that's the anger. That's the easy part. The hard part is, how do I, you want to take care of the wound, and we can't. Like, there's, yeah. n- there's nothing you can do. You, you just can yeah. be there and listen and pray for them and love on them. So anyway, uh, I, I don't want to take us down to that spiral, but I'm telling you, this season is, is really, really hard. And I think the advice that I have, um, the only thing I can give is what I'm doing right now, and that is uh, truly, it sounds cliche, it's not daily prayer, but it has to be accompanied with some type of a meditation where you're just quiet and you remind yourself what truly matters and what you can control as a parent. And, and, I, and I retreat to that. And I go, okay, this is what I can control, my response. I can control uh, the environment we have here at the house. I can control this, 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 and this, and, and everything else I, I, I can't worry about. And, and, and I also try to remind myself some of the painful stuff I went through, and, and they're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I hope. We just look at each other. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even smoke, Jeff, and I've, I've been tempted to try cigarettes. <laughs> and, uh, and then one other thing I want to say. We're just being honest that it's really tough as the kids get older because the problems are bigger. It's like we got two mm-hmm. big dogs. Big dogs have big problems. Little dogs have little problems. <laughs> and so these kids get older, the things are more complex, and there's all this thing attached to it. But I don't want to send out this, like, doomsday we love it the difference right. is is like it's just as sweet as it is when they're toddlers in fact it's even more rewarding because the conversations are better they can love better it's all these great things but it also can be like jekyll hyde because these kids are they've got hormones going through them they're changing they're developing they're aware of themselves you know what's great about toddlers is they're just like little old people they don't care they do whatever they want to do and it's just awesome then you get a kid in the third and fourth grade, and all of a sudden they become very aware of what everybody else thinks about them. And that's where, you know, it gets interesting. Well, I want to go back. I want to go back years, go back years. And before you had kids, mm-hmm. and I know this was a um, very personal topic for you guys, but it, you guys had a hard time originally having children. And I would love for you to share a little bit about your story of how you kind of came to adoption. And also any advice you'd have to a couple that are 
in the, in the midst of that right now, trying to figure out um, what their family is going to look like. Mm. Well, I'll give you the very short version. We, when we were dating, before we got engaged, we had one conversation about adoption. And in that conversation, we both realized we were open to it. But that was just some young couple having this conversation, and that was kind of cool, and, and we were open to it, and having no idea what life was going to throw at us. And then fast forward to being married, and we, we started trying to have a child. And uh, like a lot of couples in the United States and around the world, uh, we struggled with infertility. We were tested. There was no clear reason why we should be able to get pregnant. So that made it a little bit more, maybe not a little bit, a lot more frustrating. And that's a long journey because you just want to have a, a baby and you see other couples having babies all the time. And the journey is different for a woman than it is for a man. And Stacy can speak to that. But, um, you know, we got to a point where we tried every option uh, on the scale, um, except for surrogate and, and other things like that. And we just went as far as we felt comfortable for us. And you hear this you may never have a baby. We don't know why, but you may never have one, probably not going to have one. And that's very, very painful. And so we grieved that. And uh, then Stacy, she brought it up and she had read a story, you know, uh, in a magazine and it touched her heart. She brings it to me and she says, I think this is, I think this is the next step. And um, I wasn't there as quickly as she was, but I got there pretty quickly. And uh, the adoption journey itself was was not a smooth process. And uh, you all know the story. We don't really share that publicly. Uh, but uh, it led us to our boys. And, and you know, uh, it's nothing short of an amazing, miraculous situation with both boys. And, and they're amazing. And they've changed our lives. They've blessed us, not the other way around. Um, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was tough. But I want you to add your you know, it, it, it was it was tough, but it was all it was also rewarding. And now we look back on it and we go, "Oh, this was exactly how it was supposed to happen. We wouldn't change a thing because we got our boys." And uh, the the hilarity of the whole situation is we brought both boys home from infancy, uh, domestic adoptions, and we come home. This is a great story. Can I share this story? This is my favorite. One. I was hoping you'd want to share this story. Okay, good, because this is my favorite. This is the story I share <laughs> with like every every person that I meet. I have two favorite stories with Stacy. One is our engagement, and the other one is this one. So Chase, we've got Chase at home. Ty's two and a half. Chase, Chase is, is a, a newborn. newborn. <laughs> yeah. And it's our first Friday night home. Yes. And you guys know our basement well. Well, just off the plane, too, like... You know, you had flown home and yeah. Came to see Chase, the big celebration. Here's boy number two. And then, and then everybody left. And so it's a Friday night. It's about nine o'clock, 930. Everybody's gone. Ty is upstairs. Our two and a half year old is upstairs in his crib sleeping. We get Chase on our laps and we're watching TV in our basement. And Stacy says, I'm hungry. And I thought that was odd because she doesn't eat a lot as she confessed earlier. And uh, so I go, okay, I'll, I'll hold the baby and, and you go get something to eat. So she goes upstairs and she comes back down. She goes, hey, I put a frozen pizza in. Now that is definitely not Stacy. And she had one piece of pizza after you made it. So she's not feeling well all weekend. Yes. Saturday, Sunday, yes. she's got stomach issues, but she's not throwing up. She doesn't have a fever. So, but the last <laughs> thing I'm thinking is that she could be pregnant yeah. because we've been down that road. So we've not been obviously protecting for years and years and years. It's not going to happen. So on Monday, I go to the office, Jeff, up there at the tannery. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm checking in with her all day. She's she's laid out on the couch. Can't get up. Uh, are you throwing up? No. Feel like I might want to. You got a fever? No. Her sister comes over to hang out with her until I can get home. So on my way home, I just get this weird feeling like, oh my gosh, what if she's pregnant? And so I pull into a CVS, I go in and I buy a pregnancy test and I want the one that says pregnant or not pregnant on it because it's spelled it out. Because the lines are very confusing. The lines are confusing. You know this. If there's couples listening that have gone through this infertility struggle, a pregnancy test becomes this awful feeling. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's always bad news. And so it represented pain in our life. So I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going to do it anyway. So I walk in the house. And her sister says, hi, she leaves. I say, Stace, why don't you go in there and, and take care of business? Let's see, let's get this out of the way because we got to get you the doctor. So I go upstairs. Our, our master was upstairs. I go in there was a, and I'm in the closet changing clothes. And I hear this thumping up the steps. And I know it's not Ty. He's so little. And I mean, it's fast and furious thumping to the point that I walk out of the closet into the bedroom to see what's going on. And as I walk into the bedroom, Stacy is literally running into the bedroom. And she's crying, and she's got her arm out with the pregnancy test thingy, whatever you call that. And I'm like, oh, boy, I'm such an idiot. Here we go again. I got to try to comfort her. I don't know what to say. And so I just go to hug her, and she kind of doesn't hug me. You know, she's kind of resisting a little bit, and she's, but she can't talk, and she's weeping. And I'm confused and finally realize she's showing me the pregnancy test. And so I look out at the thing, and it says pregnant. And when I read it, it was such a crazy reaction. I started laughing hysterically and fell down on the floor. I'll never forget it. Do you remember that? I fell down on the floor and just looked at the sky, and I had the pregnancy test laying on my chest, and I'm just laughing uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. And then she jumps on top of me, and she's crying, and she's happy. And it was just the most bizarre thing ever. So we went and bought another one that night just to make sure (laughs) before we told anybody. So that's how we found out. So now we've got a two and a half year old, a newborn, and she's seven or eight weeks pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> this is not an any family planning journal. <laughs> so Stacy, I mean, you've walked a long journey of infertility before this amazing moment. So what would you tell somebody listening today who's struggling in that or dealing with that right now? Because I don't know, I feel like it's so silent. Women just are so quietly dealing with this deep inside. I mean, you were really pretty honest with me and you and I had, you know, lots of conversations. But, well, first of all, I was giving your Clomid shots for a long time because you were terrified of needles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, Ken was terrified of needles. That is correct. Uh, so I was giving you your shots. So, yeah, we've definitely been through this. But what would you tell, what would you tell somebody listening today? You know, it's it's interesting. I, I actually was just sharing this story a couple of days ago um, with a, a friend of mine who's not, she's not married, she's not going through this, but she's going through her own thing in, um, in a dating relationship. And, you know, again, kind of similarly, we all want to kind of keep quiet and try to walk things out alone. And that's not what we were create, created to do. You know, we were created to live in community and I, I liken it to the song, you know, the song when I was so little learned at, at Sunday school, um, hide it under a bushel. No, 
I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. And I think what is kept and hidden in the dark, the enemy uses. And I was having to suffer and go through enough pain that, by gosh, I was not going to do that alone. And so it's almost like it just, it kind of came out in conversations and this is, this is what I'm going through and I am choosing joy in the middle of this pain um, because the enemy wants nothing more than me to sit and suffer in silence. Um, and you guys know I was, I was working through this. I had to get up every day and go clock into a job, you know, mm-hmm. not literally, but that's what I felt like. I was going through the motions and I chose to step into it and, and, and anything whatever we go through in life, we have a choice and we can step into it. Um, because if we want the, if we want the oil, we have to go through the pressing and gosh, that pressing can sometimes feel like it's almost suffocating, but I am telling you, we, our story is a testimony. Other people's stories that I know of are a testimony. If you allow that work to be done, and you allow and yourself to walk through the feelings, good, bad, and ugly, hard days. When you get to the other side, God can create such a story that, that is far beyond anything you could write for yourself. You know, we, we sit and we kind of laugh at where we're at, middle school ages with our kids and how hard it can be. But I know that walking through this and fighting Mm. for them, coming to the Lord on my knees, begging for for his uh, presence just in their life, um, they're going to come out on the other side. I'm going to come out on the other side. Ken and I and our marriage is going to come out on the other side of this stronger than if we were to just, you know, skate through the life, not deal Mm. with the challenges act like everything's okay. Had you told me that very first day when we came off the pill <laughs> and um, we're, you know, in nine months, we're, we're going to have a baby. Uh, mm-hmm. Had you told me, uh, I hate to bring this to you, Stacy and Ken, but you guys are about to go through seven years of hearing no month after month. And you sit there and you take seven years times 12 months and you just tell yourself no. No, no, no. Life can get really hard. And mm. I love what my dad kind of told me early, early on. He said, honey, it, it, you know, when you're going through life and making these decisions, it may not be yes or no, but it may just be a not yet. That was, thank you for sharing that, Stacey. I think people, a lot of people mm. need to hear that. that. All right, Ken, I have a question yeah, for you. Go. So you wrote a book called One mm-hmm. Question. And in the interviews that you do all the time, you're trying to get to the number one question. You think to yourself, what is one question I could ask this person that would be the most transformative question that makes them come alive, that makes them, you know, bring something out that they wouldn't normally bring out. So if you were doing this interview with you and your wife, what's the one question you think I should be asking you to answer that would bring the most out of the two of you? about marriage and work and life. Mm-hmm. That we haven't asked you yet. Mm-hmm. You know Jeff Schenenbarger was going to go all turned it around on you. Well, it's one of the most difficult questions I've ever been asked, but it's also really, really heavy. Um, I'm going to give it to you. I need to repeat it to make sure I heard you correctly. 
you want me to tell you what you need to ask us that will help other couples? Yes. I would tell you to ask me, is it worth it? Is the commitment worth it? I love this. Explain it. Tell me what your answer would be. I don't want anyone to hear judgment in what I'm about to say, because that's not where this comes from. And I believe that Jeff and Andre could back me up on that. What I mean by that is marriage is really, really hard. And it's harder in 2018. 19. 19, thank you. <laughs> it's really hard in, in modern America. It was always hard, no matter what era that we're talking about in history, but it's really, really hard now with all of the, the outside influences, this uh, be happy now, do what's right for you, you know, know your truth, all this kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, I'll never claim to know why, but it's just become easier and easier to get divorced. And I don't mean the legal process. I just mean it's not working. Let's start over. And again, I'm not judging anyone. There's lots of reasons why people get divorced, but I just feel like the decision is made because at the time it's, it's best for everybody involved. And I just think more times than not, it isn't best for everybody involved, including the kids, including the two people. Uh, there's just a high rate of divorce and second marriages. Um, I just think there's so much damage done under the premise that this is best. It's not working out. We're not meant to be together. And I just see other people who've stayed the course, the people that have been married 50 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. Uh, there's all kinds of studies. I just saw a, a piece of information, a study that came out the other day about the health, the positive health effects for those who stay married longer. I just feel like that through counseling and self-sacrifice, and growth that the commitment is going to be worth it no matter how bad you think it is now if you can if you can become the best you and be the best spouse and truly honor the commitment you made whether you're a person of faith or not you made a commitment whether it was a judge or a pastor or a church it doesn't matter you made a commitment and and i i just think the world would be a better place if couples stuck with it Outside of abuse, you know, some things of that nature that are just the egregious, obvious, you know, you got to get out. Um, that's what I, that's what I mean. I just think it gets to a point where it's so good. It's so good. And I, I, I just think there's something to being that old couple who you've been together so long, you start to look like each other. I mean, that's a real thing, you know? I love this because I remember back when Jeff and I were, we were, like one year into marriage, two years maybe, when we met you all. And you were in, I think, seven. I think you're, yeah, you were around seven years married. And I remember you telling us, uh, it was one piece of advice I'll always remember. You kept saying, uh, you've always told us, sex gets better. Mm. It just gets better and better. You said with time, it gets better and better and better. And I don't, I don't, I we kept looking at each other like... Mm -hmm. Really? Is I right? You're older though. Like Is you're I right? old. 
You were absolutely You're right. right. By the way, I told you that oh, maybe close to 10 years ago, and, and I can tell you, it's still right. <laughs> and that's, we had mentors in our life tell us the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I just repeated that. And we were like, okay, <laughs> and there you go. Truth is truth. I love it. So your answer to your own question, is it worth it? It sounds like your answer is yes. And I even to quote you, you said it would make the world a better place if more people stuck with yeah. it longer. Is that a, a fair a summation? Yeah. Of and I'm going to tell you why. That's not a political statement. It's not a sociological statement. It's a relationship statement that the ripple effect of a broken marriage isn't really measurable. It, you can see it. You can see the effects. But there's no there's no real measurement to how deep the wound really is, and I think that um, see we romanticize in movies we romanticize relationships like friendships that stand the test of time, you know, and and I don't care who you are what audience you're in if you if you uh, say in front of any audience, you know, um, every time I say that Stacey and I've been married 20 years in front of a large audience they automatically start clapping. So there's something there. Like we, we romanticize long relationships and things that stand the test of time and make it. And I just think that if, if we had more marriages that stayed with it through the hard times and came out on the other side, the positive ripple effects, while not measurable, would just be unbelievable because I think there's something to be said for longevity. Uh, I know Martin Luther King Jr. used to talk about longevity and we celebrated his, his life recently and his birth and, 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 and all of the things that he did and, and how he touched a nation. But he used to talk about longevity um, in a romantic way. And I think that there's something to be said for that. So the answer is, is it worth it? The answer is yes. I mean, good heavens, I can't even imagine trying to start over. <laughs> how difficult that would be. It's you know? That much hard work. I, well, but the, the different schedules and the different yeah. families and all that. And again, people do it well and they do their best. And I'm not judging that. But I'm just telling you, I spoke with a, a mutual friend of ours. If I said his name, Jeff, you'd know exactly who I'm talking about. And in tears, and he's in a second marriage and he's very happy. But in tears, he shared with me that even though it's been great and, and he's glad for the second marriage, and it, but if he, could, if he could go back in time and not, and not let it happen, for the effect that it had on his, his other kids, uh, he would do it in a heartbeat. And I saw the pain there. Uh, so that's what I mean. Is the, is the commitment worth it? Is it worth sticking with it? Absolutely it is. But I don't know if that's any good or help anybody. That's just what came to my mind when you asked me. It's the most impressive, difficult question I've ever been asked. You know that came from Jeff Shinnebarger. Oh, I know. That guy, he's, it's a, that's a good one. I, I, I don't know if that helped, but that's, that's what came to my mind. Throwing one question right back at you, Ken. That's all I have. All right, you guys. This is the last and final one that we ask everybody. Uh-oh. And it is, is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? And we need to hear both your points of view because often couples differ on the, on the answer. How about we let you know when we've gotten to the other side? When you make it out of middle school? Yeah. Um, I, my answer to that, because I'm just always a glass half full person, is absolutely. But what you have to do and what we do is have people in your life who will speak truth, who will tell you when your world is probably a little too chaotic, you need to slow down and 
put some things in place that's going to help your home be a home. You know, it starts at the dinner table. And some nights we work really hard just to get to that dinner table. But that's an end goal to take that time and be intentional with it. So absolutely, but you it's not going to come easy. You have to make some hard choices. Repeat the order to me again how you asked that. Change the world. So like, per, you know, pursuing your individual purposes. Mm-hmm. Stay in love mm-hmm. and raise a healthy family. Yeah, so uh, the answer is unequivocally yes, but uh, it is important. The only way that all three can happen is if you do it in the right order and understand that there are seasons where you're going to be able to make more progress in one category than the other. So those are three great categories. The reason I asked you for the order is because I think you have to switch the order. Number one, you got to work on the in love, the love part of the deal. The, the, the marriage has got to be, it's got to be the most important thing. Um, you do that right. Um, and then you do the kids right. Uh, and, and then if those two are lined up, then I think change the world becomes really possible. Um, I've seen great men and women do things that are very impressive, but their personal lives are in shambles. And I think that that is a, I think that becomes an empty change. What I mean is, is that people will say great things about them um, and say all these things, oh, they did this, they did this, they did this. But when they hear that, it's only a Band-Aid. It's only a salve on a wound that's going on below the surface, which is, well, that's nice, makes me feel good. But they, when they go home and the fans aren't there and the articles aren't there and the likes and the retweets and all that stuff is quiet, they're sitting there uh, feeling as though they've truly failed. I know this. And, um, so it has been my decision. Um, and, and I don't say this to pat myself on the back, but Stacey knows that this is true. It's been my decision to make sure that I've got to be, I've got to be great with her. And if I'm not great with her, there is nothing that's going to happen during the day. It's going to make me feel good. Uh, I'm just telling you. That's good, Ken. Life sucks for me if she's not happy with me, no matter what people are saying about me at the office, no matter how many pictures I take or how many books I sign. And so that's, that's the order. I would say it is possible, but changing the world is going to be hollow if you aren't, you know, in a, in a great place with your wife and kids. There's no amount of success that's going to make me feel great if my kids don't admire me, if my kids don't love me, if my wife doesn't love me, if my wife's not happy to be with me when I'm with her. So... Uh, the last piece of that is the seasons. So there were, you guys walked this journey with me. My career took a little bit longer to take off. Wow. It really did. But I'm, I can sit here today and tell you that I am living the dream. Everything I worked hard for, God has given it to me and blessed me. And I did my part. But I will tell you that the sacrifice that I made in speed is worth it. Because I didn't get there as fast as some people got there. I'm 44, going to be 45 very soon. Um, probably could have sped up the process, but I decided to be present with my wife and kids and, and not miss certain things. And um, to me, um, I can't truly make a change in the world uh, unless I'm whole. And uh, that means relationally whole um, and spiritually whole, meaning I'm, 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 I'm keeping my commitment to my wife and kids being what I'm supposed to be there. Like that's the role that matters most. Uh, this public Ken Coleman 
um, is only fulfilling if the private Ken Coleman is happy and fulfilled. That's good. That's so good. You guys gave us so much, so much wisdom. I literally have three pages of notes that I took. Thank you, guys. Oh, my goodness. And now it's time for the breakdown. Yeah, that was really good. I was kind of teary-eyed. It made me miss them. I know. They're out in Nashville now, and we don't get to see them as much. Yeah, so what were your takeaways? Well, I loved our little kind of stage thing we went through with them of every stage. And um, I really liked just their honesty right now with the stage that they're in with their older kids. And the picture of them just in the closet, hugging each other, holding on to each other for dear life, and just realizing that it's so hard, and we don't really always know what to do. And there's so much we can't control that, are, that is happening to our kids when they leave our home and go to school and are on social media. And, but just seeing that picture, that visualization of them holding on to each other through it. And uh, I love it. What is it with them holding each other in closets? Oh, yeah, they talked about the other. They have one. multiple stories. Yeah. That's like a sacred place for them, yes. which is kind of interesting. <laughs> so what'd you get? What'd you like? Um, I really thought, uh, Ken, uh, it was fun to kind of ask him his question about what question he would ask. And he says, is it worth it? And I think that's a really powerful question, and he had some really great thoughts about that. Um, I think the thought that just that, this idea of us holding on in our marriage, that it potentially could have ripple effects of making the world a better place. I thought that was really cool. And then in addition, his answer at the end, um, I'm not sure if I got the quote specifically perfect. You might add to it. But um, changing the world is going to be hollow if I'm not doing it with my kids and my wife. Yeah, bas- yeah about if my wife and my kids don't love me, that's kind of being relationally whole, you know? Mm. And so none of what he does with his outward life um, in radio and his career and everything else is going to matter. And I thought that was beautiful, too. The other thing I was thinking about when Stacy was sharing their story about the need for community and, and honestly talking about the tensions You mean during their with people. infertility? Yeah, with infertility. Mm-hmm. Um, the importance of having community and talking openly and honestly with people that you love about the things you're struggling with. I mean, this is like, we have experienced this with so many people, not just about infertility, but when times are hard in marriage and relationships, you feel this sense that you're supposed to... to um, just the two of you figure it out on your own. Yeah, almost withdraw into yourselves. And and that doesn't ever figure out anything. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You really, Yeah, it doesn't work in the sense of um, not reaching out for help from people around you that might be wiser and can speak into it, but even not reaching out for help with a counselor or something else too, you know, a professional to, to help you kind of walk through it and see it. Um, but, oh, my goodness, my heart just breaking. I, I feel like I was reliving our years together and that hearing no after, like, just no, no every single month 
and how that must feel inside. And so I hope any of you listening who might be struggling with infertility and might be in that place, I hope maybe this was an encouragement to you. I hope that you reach out to somebody today and speak your truth and speak your hurt. And, um, and then I hope those of us who are listening just listen because there's no way you can understand how that feels unless you've truly, truly been in it. Mm, that's another episode of Love or Work. Thank you for listening. And that was Ken and Stacy Coleman. We love them. Yeah, follow along uh, his journey at the Ken Coleman Show. And again, follow our, our story on Instagram with, at Love or Work. Or we just started a Facebook page. You can look up Love or Work on Facebook and everything will be updated on there. We're so thankful for all of our listeners and we can't wait to talk to you next week. This episode was produced by DJ Obdiggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.